Welcome back to Comics Over Time, where we shine a spotlight on classic comic stories and the TV shows or big screen blockbusters they inspired. We'll look to connect the dots from the comic book panels to the moving pictures, examining where the adaptation followed the comics closely and where they decided to go their own way. And when we're done, we'll try and answer that most important of questions, who told the tale best? My name is Dwayne, and with me as always, my good buddy Dan. Dan, we have quite the show today. Yep, it is a very special episode today. We're uh, for almost two years now. We've actually been hanging out getting together every week and talking about Marvel Comics and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe films that they inspired. Today, with Endgame behind us and a new comics focus that we're going to be getting into soon that we'll be talking about later, we are going to wrap up this phase of comics over time as we take a look back at the entire MCU with its dozens of films spanning 15 years so far. With no signs of slowing down. Well, <laughs> slowing down, yes, but no signs of stopping anytime soon. <laughs> signs of crashing, potentially, but, but not <laughs> slowing down, right? No, they, uh, yes. they definitely have been making some changes. So I think we will we'll spend a little time talking about that as we, uh, as we close this one out. Yes, this is going to be fun. We're going to be wrapping up quite a lot of things that we've talked about. A lot of movies, a lot of comics. And uh, yeah, so this is, so we're going to skip the news. We're not going to have a news segment today. We've got a lot to talk about. I'd ask what the, what's in the stack, Dan, but basically it's the entire MCU and accompanying comics are in the stack this week. Everything. Got about uh, 25 movies and something like 500 comic books in the stack today, so... I better get I better get going on my summaries because this is going to take a while. So. <laughs> yes, the uh, two minutes or so that that will take definitely might feel a little bit long. Yeah. So that uh, basically what we're going to do is just go through and give our give our impressions of what we think of the stuff that that we've been watching and reading over the last couple of years, and more specifically. Again, if you've been with us for quite a long time, going maybe back to the Moonlight uh, podcast or, or even from the beginning of this one, you know that I've been at this comic thing for a long time, right? It's been pretty much my life. So when I first watched a lot of these MCU movies, I was already pretty well indoctrinated into who these characters were, why I would care about them, all that sort of thing. Whereas Dwayne, having not read them, a lot of comic books in the early 21st century, you know, up until basically we started in 2021, right? Um, yeah. Would have had a very different sort of viewpoint on a lot of these early movies like Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, that sort of stuff. And even into a lot of the things in phase two and three. And now we've gone back, we've read a bunch of comic books. You've spent a lot of time learning a lot more about the Marvel and becoming sort of a you know, I would say an expert on these characters in essence, because you've read a lot of comic books. When we go through and take a look at, at some of the stuff we've read in the last couple of years, you know, you've got a lot of experience with them. And I would think that would be changing the way maybe you would think about some of these or give you some different perspectives. So what I'm interested in doing is kind of going back through, talking about these, and then getting a little bit of an idea of what you thought about them, and then especially what you thought about the comics and how they colored your perception of some of these things. 
Well, yeah, definitely. It it has completely changed my viewpoint on a, on some of these characters and and actually a lot of the storylines that we've ended up seeing in the MCU. I think I definitely see them in a in a different light than I have uh, had previously when when I just had basically the movies themselves as being kind of the only real uh, background I had. Uh, for the characters and and where they come from. Yeah. So there's a ton of stuff to talk about, obviously, but I think I would like to do is kind of move through this with just a few questions and see where that, where that leads us. So first thing, just to give people an idea, we have read a ton of comic books. And so I want to go back through and do a quick list of what I think were some of the the more interesting ones just to give all of you out there an idea of what Dwayne's got to choose from and then we're going to see you've already got your list set up of what you might want to mention right so i'm not yeah i've got too badly with this list yes no i have a list uh that i've prepared of ones that when you said to me Dwayne, what comic or comic book run stood out to you during the time the year and a half or so that we've been doing this uh, I, I came up with about six to eight of them and, uh, you know, some of them are in here, some of them are not. And, and, Interesting. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell, tell you about why those, those came to mind. All right. So the ones that I got, I, I just sort of wrote down, uh, starting with Iron Man, we did the Demon in a Bottle series from the seventies. We did the Enter the Mandarin, uh, miniseries, the Iron Man Armor War series from the eighties. Thor, we looked at the Jane Foster Thor books. We looked at the Simonson Thor run from back in the 80s. Thor uh, Volume 3, where Jason Aaron brings Thor back from the dead. And he begins to reconstitute the Asgardians. And then Thor War of the Realms, the sort of event series that centered around Asgard. Captain America, we read things like Captain America the Winter Soldier, the Brubaker book that brought back Bucky. Captain America Sentinel Wilbury, which is that four-issue series that kind of gives you a an overview of Captain America as a both a character and sort of a symbol. For some of the bigger events we looked at, we read the Ultimates books, we read Civil War, we read Secret Invasion, we read Age of Ultron. Some of the other character books, when getting ready to talk, talk about Miles Morales, we looked at Ultimate Spider-Man. We read Doctor Strange books like The Oath, and Volume 4, where they did the Death of Magic stuff with that magnificent Chris Bucalo art. We read Astonishing Ant-Man, which was the one where we had a different Ant-Man, who was actually also a criminal, uh, trying to reform. We read a bunch of She-Hulk stuff, including the single green female books that a lot of people celebrate. Captain Marvel, we looked at that 2012 reboot where they changed her costume and she took on the actual mantle of Captain Marvel and Carol sort of headed off on the trajectory that would lead her to the big screen. We read a bunch of other cosmic stuff after or with Captain Marvel, uh, some Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, some old Strange Hales books from Warlock and the like, uh, Infinity Gauntlet, we read that big saga, and then also Thanos Rising. And that is not by any means a complete list, because we read a lot of individual no. origin issues and other runs, but these are some of the ones that I was like, I think these might be some of the ones Dwayne might pick from. 
it appears I've missed yeah. a few, which I think is cool. So bring, yes. bring it on. No, the, first, I should say that it went when I when I actually sat down and started thinking about it, I was like, wow, there is a lot to choose from here. And it felt like there was always something every other week when we were reading comics that, that jumped out to me that was interesting and, and could have been on this list. Yep. Okay. But I, I decided to narrow it down to, to just a handful and, and yeah, you, you've hit a few, but you, but there was a couple that did not, did not make the list. Now, some of the ones that did make the list First off was Iron Man's Demon in the Bottle. That was one of the first first books that we read uh, is an actual masterpiece. And I'm going to include Civil War Frontline as well. Oh, that was the story about the, the reporters. They're kind of seeing what's going on during Civil War and approaching the story at a completely different angle from a non-superhero angle. And I think the thing about both of these books to me is it really changed my perception of what types of stories could be told in comic books. Mm -hmm. I, I assumed that it was always going to be like the superhero facing off against the bad guy of the week. You know, lots of punching, lots of kicking, you know, big, big spectacle things. But there is, you know... The, the things, the alcoholism and things that, that, that Tony Stark is going through during Demon on a Bottle, the, the fact that we're not even seeing superheroes, we're just kind of seeing the aftermath of the Civil War and, and you know, superhuman, you know, superhero fighting superhero. Uh, it, it was just, it just surprised me. And, and they were, they both have cool art and they were both really interesting. And they, like I said, it just really changed my view of, of what you could tell in a comic book uh, for a story. Yep. So the next one is the, the Jason Aaron Thor comics, the, I want to live mm -hmm. bringing back Thor and just kind of that strangeness of having Thor on Midgar in the middle of like Oklahoma or something. And, recreating Asgard and them interacting with the, like the local folks. It was just, it was, it was surprising how fun it was. I just, I, I was, I was just completely enamored with that story and I was really interested in it. And, and um, I, I just, I really liked it. It, it came, can't keep, that was one of the first ones I thought of. Absolutely. Next, Doctor Strange, Volume 4. You mentioned this, Chris Piccolo. That artwork is just actually just fantastic. I am now a big Chris Piccolo fan because of this particular series. But I also just loved that idea of magic having consequences and, and how you're, you know, you're doing the you're doing these really powerful things, but some somewhere something is happening to kind of counterbalance what you're doing. And if you don't do, if you don't take precautions, then things can really get out of hand. And and that that monster in the basement was one of the weirdest slash frightening things I've ever seen in a comic book. It was it was crazy. Uh, I have Infinity Gauntlet in here uh, specifically because it it showed me just how different the adaptation can be from the original source material. 
And and that's not to say that the the source material here isn't good, but I think it is it, it reminded me that these are adaptations. They are taking liberties, they are changing things. And in the case of the Infinity Gauntlet, I think they did a really good job of 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 taking kind of the theme or the ideas behind Infinity Gauntlet mm-hmm. and then and then expounding them into, you know, two really, really big movies. Yep. Very different, obviously, but but it does Very remain easy. with that sort of the core concepts and the core motivations and a lot of things to where you can you can definitely see where the stories link, even though they're wildly divergent, which I think is cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, Miss Marvel, the the uh, 2014, the first oh sure appearance that we just did a couple weeks ago. I just loved how I got a peek into a culture that I'm not familiar with at all, right? And I think they did a really good job of that. They made a coming of age story really interesting in there. And I mean, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I I went out looking for the MCU TV series because I read the comics and because the comics were so interesting. And I, and I think anytime you have a comic book that then makes you want to see adaptations of it, it's like, yeah, you, you've, you've nailed it. It, it, it really, um, really hits home. And finally, the last book that, that came to mind, and it is not a Marvel book. It is actually the Flash and the Flashpoint series. I want to call that out because we did take a look at a couple books that weren't Marvel. And this one stuck out to me because it was a really interesting time travel story. And I've always been a fan of Batman and Bruce Wayne. And the ending of that with the letter from Thomas Wayne to Bruce that the Flash delivers in there. Uh, is something I will never forget. It is. It it was so so cool. I just that I had to include that, even though it's not a Marvel one. That that was a comic book uh, series that we read that that did jump out to me as as one of my favorites. Now, if only the people who made the Flashpoint movie had actually read that and you know un- understood it, then life would be great. Now that there were a number of of good things we did read that were not from the MCU that aren't on here. But yeah, the Flashpoint series is is an absolute classic. That's really good stuff. So I, I like I like all those selections. And I like the fact that you know we the other thing is we read a lot of books from the 60s. We read a lot of books from the 70s. And I think Demon in a Bottle is the only thing you have on your list that was probably made more than about 10 years ago. Right? Uh, it was before 2000, at least. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. comics have gotten so much more advanced in a lot of ways. And it's interesting because folks like me who've been reading them for a long time can still, I think, read and appreciate the old books and kind of just mentally give them a pass for some of the things that now modern audiences find jarring. But as somebody who's just sort of started and has a more modern sensibility that started, you know, with a lot of the, the Moon Knight books that we were, the oldest comics we read at the beginning were 1980. And even then we moved pretty quickly into the 90s and onward. So I, I think this is not surprising to me 
that it's newer stuff that's really resonating. That makes that makes some sense. For me, I love your choices of North, like Demon in a Bottle, one of my all-time favorite comic series. I think the Thor books we read as a group are some of the strongest. Yeah. Like like Simonson's Ragnarok, his his books starting with Thor 337, they still hold up today as absolutely fantastic storytelling. The Jane Foster yep. as Thor arc, the whole thing from sort of the you know the time when she gets the hammer to when she dies is just an absolutely magnificent and soul crushing experience so if you if you get a chance to go in and finish up and read all of those it's there's probably another 20 books that we didn't read past uh really really good stuff the the thor version 3 is actually on one of my favorite lists as well i think the art is fantastic the story is is just so quirky and amazing. Uh, it's one of my favorite Thor sort of sort of periods. Um, Captain America: Winter Soldier, I think, would be at near the top of my lists because what Brubaker did with that is, you know, he he took some a character that we all thought was dead, and most people were angry with the fact that he was messing with it, and turned it into something so iconic and so cool that no one now even would question whether, you know, Bucky should should still be dead, right? I love the Ultimates, and I think the Ultimates is, is something that really we should look at because if there's any one series of comic books that set sort of the baseline for what the MCU was going to be, it's the Ultimates. If I had to say... What's the one comic book that's most important to Kevin Feige and the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I don't think there's any question it's Ultimates. And from the very first movie, they basically admit that by casting the actor who was played, you know, who was playing Nick Fury in the comic book in the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. When because and, and especially with the fact that, you know, Nick Fury'd been a white guy. With a, with a buzz cut for the better part of 50 years. The Ultimates, he turns into Samuel Jackson. And when they're casting the movie, they're like, well, obviously he's going to be Samuel Jackson. And a lot of the aesthetics of the uniforms, the way some of the, the characters really interact with each other, there's just so many elements that come from the Ultimates that I think that was a, a critical piece of building block for making the MCU what it was. It kind of is a Rosetta Stone for taking those 70s, 80s, 90s comic books and turning them into an aesthetic and a, a franchise that could succeed in the 21st century. It was like a world before the Ultimates and a world after the Ultimates. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I So I do want to shout out one other set of books that, that I think was underrated that I almost put on my list but didn't so i'm going to at least mention it and it was the kind of the hulk on the run books that we read where he was basically going from state to state and he was like in he started in phoenix and he ended up in minnesota which is weird because i'm in phoenix and i used to be in, in fargo north dakota so it was kind of those sorts of things as geographically it kind of made sense uh to me personally but it also it was a really interesting story and he was kind of like 
trying to hide the fact that he was the Hulk and there were people pursuing him. And, and that I think was a really interesting set of books that, that I, I feel now like I should have included them just because it was something I really liked, but I, it didn't feel like it quite measured up to these other books. I didn't have quite as good a reasoning for why I wanted to include it. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Hulk books traditionally have not really made the made the cut with me to where they really resonate with me. But there have been some really good Hulk stories out there. Um, you know, a lot of them. Peter David has had a bunch of runs on the Hulk that have been really interesting and the like. So there's definitely some ways to make that character really interesting. And every once in a while, they unlock that and make a story I really like too. So yeah, that one that one's also excellent. So. You read all these comic books, right? Yes. And you've been getting used to sort of the language of comics, the pacing of comics, the way comics look and sound. My suspicion is that doing all of that is going to have an impact in how some of these movies resonate for you a little bit. So I was wondering if you can think of a way, like what movie or is there a movie where the comics that we read actually made a significant impact on how you experienced that movie on rewatch compared to maybe how you remember experiencing it when you watched it the first time having not watched or not read all these comics that is actually exceptionally easy for me it was captain america civil war i went into that movie be you know they kind of build this as the team cap versus team iron man I had gone to all the Iron Man movies. I hadn't actually gone to the Captain America movies. And I had seen the Avengers and there was Iron Man was going to be in Civil War. And so I was going into that movie. I was fully on board with Iron Man. I liked Iron Man. I understood Iron Man. He made total sense. His rationale for what he was saying, why they needed to register, all that sort of thing. It made perfect sense to me. And I was just like, Cap's wrong. There's just there's just no way Cap is right here. And then we read the comics. And the nuance of, or it's not even nuance. It's just the, I guess I had a better understanding based on the comics of where Cap was coming from. And it really helped me to see that there really was two sides and those were two legitimate sides that that um at coming at this problem and and i it i i actually ended up being more on team cap and where he was coming from with not having to register than i was tony stark and registering after reading the comics and then re-watching the movie again having seen some additional movies as well, but it, it just, it, it, I, I had took a completely different look at that film as a result of reading the comics and, and, and that the second time around. And it's really interesting seeing it like to, I feel bad that I, I like went in so one-sided the first time that I didn't even give the other side the time of day. And now I feel bad because it's like now I'm really pretty much on the other side of things. Yeah, Civil War was, it was a controversial series. There were a lot of people who 
had, had significant opinions on it, and it did some crazy things to the MCU. But it really was, especially considering the time when it came out, it was an attempt to deal with topics that really were important kind of in society. And it, it right. gave you this security versus liberty argument in a way that you could explore it through these characters and really kind of take a look at it. And I don't know that reading Civil War, there's ever really anybody who, you know, where they come out and say, well, this one's right, because both sides have points. And I think the, the Frontline series you liked, one of the interesting things about that is that you have Europe as a more liberal journalist coming to see Tony Stark's side of things as we move along. And you have a journalist from a, or is he the more conservative? In any case, one of them's more conservative starting in their writing and their politics, and the other's more liberal. And they come to see the other ones, the other side of the argument, as they're watching what's going on. So they both kind of right. move more towards understanding of both sides. So Frontline also, I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to read it with you, is it's a very interesting and kind of nuanced way to look at big issues in the comics. And I, I think it's really interesting you touched on that as something that changed the way you thought of things because it's kind of what I'd hoped is, you know, to show that even superhero comics don't have to just be about punching, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's bigger topics that, that have definitely been explored and that's been the case all throughout their history, but it's like, I, it is, it is interesting that like, if you really think about it, you can see the larger issues there, if, especially if you want to see the larger issues mm-hmm. that they're trying to play out in the comics. I think there are some yep. that maybe read comics and, and, and read exactly what's on the page. But I think there are others that you could definitely see that they're trying to tell a bigger message there and, and, and message received, I guess, from yep. me in Civil War. There you go. Very cool. So how about characters who you've maybe changed your opinion on, uh, either in the comics, movies, etc., during our time reviewing the MCU? So who's a character maybe that you started out having a particular thought about that you've significantly changed in in your opinion on over the last couple of years? I think the character that has changed the most for me is Black Widow, actually. I I did not understand specifically in the MCU just how important a character she is throughout the movies, especially the early movies. Having only seen some of the Iron Man films, I didn't realize that she was in in, in the Captain America films as well. And she is to me as vital to tell the stories of Iron Man is and Captain America as 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 anything in there. She was a huge support system for both those characters early on, and then obviously she takes a a, a pretty big place in the Avengers movies themselves. Um, she's not obviously as super powered as some of the other heroes that we see on the Avengers, or even you know Tony Stark in his iron suit, or, or Captain America in the serum. But it she she's really important, and like I I think that it's a shame that we didn't really get 
a big or more of an origin story about her until after Endgame when Black Widow came out in, in phase four, because it, I, I think there's a complexity and depth that we kind of got peaks of in these other movies. But I think you could appreciate them more when you, when you got to see that larger, that larger story. And I think the other problem with Black Widow, the movie is that it felt like it was the setup for another project as opposed to, really giving us a good and complete story for for Natasha. Plus your main character's already dead. So that's kind of a doubt. Yeah. So yeah, I Yes. I mean Natasha Romanoff has been a major character in the Marvel universe for a long time. So of almost all the Avengers, you know, Hawkeye, a lot of these other folks that took on in some cases secondary roles in the MCU, when you really get a chance to see how much time they've spent sort of quote unquote on camera in the comic books. Uh, there's there's a lot there to appreciate. And yeah, it it is cool how her and Fury both kind of moved through a lot of the other movies, especially early and, and tied things together. So for me, by the way, this is a super easy question. Because okay. I thought Guardians of the Galaxy were some of the worst heroes ever created. And then <laughs> they turned into a $3 billion franchise because someone figured out how to unlock the cool and weird and crazy cosmic elements of them. And so I would say that for a lot of comic book readers, you know, we knew who Iron Man and Thor and Captain America are. And really most of the characters, if, if you really want to get down to it, they have, they've been very true to the, to the essence of those characters in the MCU. You know, when you look at most of them, you can easily recognize the DNA of that. In the Guardians, it's there, but only in the the stuff coming out of like the 20, you know, the, the late 2000s uh, or the, uh, you know, like 2010 and onward type of thing. Much like with Captain Marvel, you know, the, there wasn't much there. And a lot of the cosmic stuff I think they really upped the game of the cosmic heroes when they brought them into the MCU by adding some stuff that just had not really been there in the in the comics. So yeah, I remember being absolutely floored by Guardians of the Galaxy. And and I I think I remember back in the day that you were you were very nervous as to as to what that movie was going to be before it before it got released, and uh, I, I think whether whether you knew them or you didn't know them I, after leaving that first movie, it was like, wow, this is this is something I can't wait for more of this. I was extremely concerned it would be the thing that, if not kill the MCU, would at least impede its progress because you would it would it would fail because who's ever heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy or would want to go to that movie? And then they would, you know, take a step back. But essentially what's happening now would happen because of that, having uh, some missteps. And it was early in the game still, and they were trying some crazy stuff by going with a, a D-list team like the Guardians. So, other than that, how about the movies themselves? Like When you rewatched a lot of the stuff from Phase 1 to Phase 2, 
How's your opinion on those changed, do you think? The things, so there there have been some things that I think have changed for the better in the MCU over the over over its time. Uh I I think there's two things in particular that jump out to me. The the first is the fact that it it took longer than it should have, but I'm I'm really happy that we have female leads and uh different people of color leading these projects. Like it took till phase three till we had Captain Marvel or we had uh Black Panther. And I I love the fact that we did finally get to that point. It feels like very early on they were they were like, let's stick with with over here and, and not branch out very much. And I, and I'm glad they finally did branch out there. And I like the fact that they're giving those same opportunities to people behind the camera as well. The other thing that I think I like that has kind of gradually happened more and more over over the last few years that I really like is that they are pulling in Marvel franchise things from outside the MCU into the MCU. And what I mean by that is J.K. Simmons. I'm meaning the X-Men. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is finding its way back in here. We're getting references to Daredevil and and Vincent D'Onofrio and and all of this as well. And some of this stuff is, you know, legally and contractually, they probably couldn't do early on. But I but I like the fact that that we're getting that kind of complete picture uh, of Marvel that that we that we didn't have when we were first starting out. And there was kind of just this small box that they were or sandbox that they were playing in. And And I like the fact that you know, some of the things that were really popular about some of this other stuff, other versions of these characters, they're finding a way to bring bring them in. As far as some things that I'm not as big a fan of that have changed is it the amount of VFX work in the films, I think, has gotten way too cumbersome to the point where some of it really has not looked very good as a result of it because of the amount and because of the number of projects that, that, that the, that Marvel studios has going it, it just, I I would like to see them kind of scale that back a little bit, if at all possible. I mean, obviously you're, these are spectacle films and stuff. And, and I remember some of the kind of the early captain America movies and things like that, where, where they tried to do things with, uh, you know, more practically as opposed to relying quite so heavily on VFX work. And lastly, I think the, like, it seems like we, we've talked about it and it seems to be everywhere that they talk about the Marvel formula and it feels like they're being, they're, they're not deviating enough from that formula. It's like they've found the secret sauce and now they're less willing to kind of uh, move away from that or, or, or experiment outside it very much. I mean, I think there is a little bit of experimentation done, but it's always uh, not quite done to the level maybe it was before. I, I, I liked kind of the more trailblazing sort of 
Marvel Studios from the early on, then it feels like the more cookie cutter Marvel Studios that we seem to have more recently. Yeah. I mean, to me, as far as I know how my opinion really has changed is that early on, I did come at them simply as a fan. And I still, for the most part, do. Those of you who've been following us know that I'm not generally going in looking for reasons to hate the movies that I'm going to, right? I'm, I'm here right. to enjoy this stuff. But yeah. reading the comics and then going in and talking about them and hearing all of the tidbits you've got, learning more about productions of them and the like, I have become a bit more... a little bit more critical in terms of the way I think about the way they did some things. I know that when I watch Iron Man, the first one now, there are, there are times when I just appreciate it for what it is. And there's times where I'm like, Oh, this was pandering to me or to someone else, or this is weird. You know, why did they do that? This would be different now if they could do it differently. Um, and the newer movies, yeah, that I'm watching and, and being a little more critical of some of the effects and the stories and things like that. I think one of the big changes is that a lot of the movies in the first couple of phases were very true to the actual comics themselves. Like you can find essentially a basis in the comics for most of the stories of the first two, three phases, you know? There are very few of them that we didn't have a comic book series that matched them. If you look at the Marvels, there's no there's no comic book equivalent of this, you know? No. They've decided to essentially do the one thing that I think I always feared when comic adaptations are being made is that they don't respect or stick to the the source material in terms of a lot of the motivations and other stuff and having a a series that is successful from the comics to at least hang your hat on and say here's the base outline the spine of our story now we're going to change it we're going to modify it and do everything else makes life a lot easier and they just seem to have sort of been the, the MCU wound like this perfect clock to a finish in Endgame. And then it's kind of like we've been just watching it unwind since. And so I, I think uh, as far as the early movies, though, if anything, my appreciation for them has gone up. My, my appreciation for what was accomplished in Phase 1, I think that now you start to see how hard it is to keep that sort of thing going you realize what an achievement it was to do it in the first place. So that makes sense. So we've read all these comics in general. Do you think if somebody else is looking to do an MCU rewatch, is it worth it for them to pull out our list of 500 comics and grab a, a subscription to Marvel unlimited and go through and read up on the Marvel Universe before they before they dig into the movies. Or, in the final analysis, do you wish you still were just blindly, like, 
you know, free of all this extra information and could just enjoy them for what they are. I liked having the comics and having the stories and the motivations and all of that kind of being told to me uh, or being able to see it outside of kind of the MCU interpretation of the of the character. I I feel like it is definitely worth it for somebody if they are interested in seeing these characters and and really trying to understand where they're coming from. I think there is no better place than than going to the comic books to learn about them. I think I think that it it provides perspective and uh, information that is not easily told to you in in a film or even a TV series because mm-hmm. you basically just have to have a character talking to you yep. and and you can't really you you can't do that and so I I think it's worth it I think I've gained a lot of insight having spent all this time and and I think if if you're somebody that wants to have all these adventures and stories with all these characters that you love from the MCU, I, I, I think I would root for less Marvel Studios things, and I would just go for the comic books and, and seeing seeing what's being done there. Um, yep. And because I think there's a lot a lot a lot there to choose from, whether whether it be some of the older stuff or whether it be some of the newer stuff it, it's it's there is something there that you're probably going to enjoy uh you know it's just a matter of finding it you're saying if you haven't watched secret invasion yet maybe you'd be better off just going reading the secret invasion comic books that is that is uh, that would be one of the things i would say yes i would 100 yes. percent recommend that in actual fact so all right um so that's very cool, and, and it's gratifying, because obviously having pulled you along through this, it would have been sad to me if you're like, man, what a waste of time. This, but uh, but it is, it is really, though, you know, if you like the characters, again, most of these characters, the personas that they put on screen match up pretty well with the personas these characters have been. So if you like Tony Stark Iron Man, there's a good chance you'll find some Iron Man comics you enjoy. If you like Captain America, if you like Black Widow, if you like, you know, any of these any of these folks, um, even some of the newer characters that haven't got enough screen time yet, like Rory Williams and the like, there's comics out there that you can go in and see more of those characters, which might be a good idea because it doesn't look like we're going to be getting as many Marvel projects the next couple of years. So... Stocking up on some comics is probably the best way to be able to continue the adventures of some of these folks. So let's get to the specifics. Just uh, some some end end of the line takes on these. What is your most rewatchable Marvel movie? You just want to sit down, enjoy a Marvel movie. Which one do you put in? It's crazy because it one might think it was going to be the first Iron Man film. And I think if you'd have asked me this before we went through and did the rewatch, I probably would have said that. Uh, I'm going to say Captain America, the first Avenger, because there is just something about that film 
that when I watched it, I'm just like, I was almost ready to watch it right away again, like immediately <laughs> after it ended. And I, this is a movie I did not see initially when it came out in theaters. And I was very late to the game with, with it. And I regret that decision immensely now having seen it much later in, in kind of the MCU story. Like it is, it is a fantastic origin story yep. and just like Chris Evans is, is fantastic as Steve Rogers. You know, you've got, you got Bucky, you've got all the pieces there that, you know, from the original comic in the movie, it feels just like the, like the comic, the movie does it, it just, it's pit, pitch perfect in every way. And I just, I love I, I just I love that film and I'm like I could see myself watching like stopping and watching this anytime I happened happened upon it. Here you go. Excellent. That was that was a lot of fun. Haley Atwell was wonderful in it. Basically the, the entire cast. Yes. Um when he marches everybody back in with the tank and stuff as just one of the Ta coolest. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is in that too, I remember. One of the that was great. Moments. For me, it still is, oddly, the the first Iron Man. The initial film in the MCU is still the best film in the MCU, or at least the one where if I just want to sit back and enjoy, I absolutely love the first Iron Man film. And there are so many moments in that that just make me laugh, and that, you know, I. it's weird that they've had 20-some sequels and yet I don't think they've ever actually beaten the first attempt, you know? And the yeah. kind of to your point, I mean, their capabilities for special effects, their budgets, everything else has exploded. Uh, what's interesting is that both of our choices are in the first phase. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to be quite mm -hmm. frank, I would say that, that you're almost certainly correct with first Avenger being, uh, being one of them. For me, the, the other option for me would be the first Guardians movie, which is just a ton of fun as well. But so let me ask you this then. What is what is your like favorite series of movies? Like if you could pick the Captain America movies or the Iron Man movies or the Guardians movies, which what what do you think is the best series of movies? Oof. You know, they've all kind of had a a bad one. Even like Ant-Man's got Ant-Man 3 and uh -huh. Guardians is really the only one that doesn't have a stumble. Yeah. It's yep, it's that three is. really good movies. The the Captain Americas, I guess also uh, probably if you count Civil War as the third Captain America, that that's also really hard to beat. So it'd, it'd yeah. be one of those two. I would probably... Ugh. I didn't love Civil War as much, but it is very hard to go against the other two Captain Americas. So it'd be one of those two. Yes. I I actually picked Captain America or the Guardians of the Galaxy films. This kind of is the best. If, if you were to pick three pictures... Go. Oh with with a a character or set of characters it would be one of those two and and it's obviously guardians being the most surprising on that list because it's it 
I did not know who the I did not know who any of them were before going to the theater, and it was it it was just the music too. The music to me almost is what puts it over the top. Is just I I love the way James Gunn matched the soundtracks to the films in those yeah. in those movies, and that does show you to a certain extent how consistency does matter. That you know the Russo brothers did the last two Captain Americas and all of the Guardians movies are under James Gunn. A lot of the other ones have been passed around from director to director and they've kind of lost lost something as they did that. So and I think did uh, did Peyton Reed do all three Ant Man's? I think he maybe did. So and and in actual fact I would argue that that latest that latest Ant Man suffered from the fact that it was obviously being used as a pilot episode for this new big quantum universe you know war thing and yeah if you'd been allowed to just stick to the formula the first two it probably would have been fine so so kind of within that what's your favorite one shot of the movies that they've only gotten to have say one so far what's your favorite so this would give you what i guess doctor strange so let's just say the the ones that are multiverse don't matter so you've got doctor strange you've got the spider-man homecoming you've got uh well we'll do captain marvel because now that's in a trio black widow shang chai the eternals say from that group It's obvious Eternals is going to win this one, I'm sure, with no problem. So. <laughs> uh, Any of those stand I mean, I, re- I, I really liked the first Captain Marvel film. Like, for it just, like, I don't know if that qualifies now, but sure. I, I think you said that it, it does. But no. I that that to me was just... Again, it was a character that I at least had a little bit of a familiarity with, but like it's so much it, it ended up being so much more when I actually saw it in in theaters. And and I think, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick's version ended up being kind of the comic version that she put on the page ended up being the version that we ended up kind of seeing in the in the theaters and and i think it is i think it actually is just fantastic it's i i didn't know i needed a nick fury origin story but we got it very very sort of late in the in in phase three um but it was it, it definitely felt like a bigger film than like just a oh this is a film that's coming out in between the the bookends of infinity war and Endgame, which is i think when you see where it's placed and 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 that sort of thing like ahead of time you might have thought well why are they sticking this movie in the middle of those two big those two big movies no no that's for me i think it's doctor strange i love the first doctor strange movie i thought it was fantastic in a lot of the same ways that the original iron man was fantastic i think that that doctor strange movie feels more like a phase one movie than anything that comes after it in a lot of ways. Sure. It's, it's in fact, I mean, obviously 
Doctor Strange and Stephen Strange and and Tony Stark have a lot in common, right? And so there's there's some similarities, maybe too many there. Uh, I also yeah. really liked Shang Chi. I thought that was actually a fun movie. So yes. All right. Anyway, so next thing we want to check in on. What is your least rewatchable? Like, if you if if someone imprisoned you and wanted to torture you by putting a movie on loop, which which uh-huh. Marvel movie would be the best option for that? Yeah, uh, without a doubt, it's the Eternals movie. Holy mackerel! That did not, that did not resonate with me at all. It, it just felt like a confusing mess. Uh, and I'm going to be honest. I mean, we read. Before we really got going, it was our beta uh, test doing this. That was our beta test. Was it, we were we were reading some some comics of the Eternals as well, and and it, those are kind of a mess to me as well, to be perfectly honest with you. And so it doesn't actually surprise me, but at the same time, it's like the idea there. I think at the kind of the fifty foot sort of level it seems really cool but then the execution of it just didn't feel like it it hit like it didn't feel like the they picked the right actors and actresses for it the story felt convoluted and complicated needlessly so and there there's still like there's this like giant thing sticking out of the earth that apparently nobody is even talking about two two years worth of movies later now, in their defense, after alien invasions and a snap that makes half the planet disappear for five years and the like, a giant coming out of the North Pole is probably the least of anyone's worries. But but nonetheless, sure. it is it is weird, sure. to say the least. I, I think, you know, that's the easy and obvious answer. Because it's, it's terrible. Yeah. I think, yeah. for me, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is actually my choice. I did not like that movie at all. And it mm. it confuses me and it depresses me. And I'm a Wanda fan and I don't like what happened to her in that one. And the story just, yeah. So I think that that is actually if, the one that gets me. Yeah. If I was going to pick one of the ones that we actually reviewed and talked about on the, on the show, I, I found myself saying, I don't know that I need to see Iron Man 3 again. It just didn't, it didn't really resonate for me the way the first two Iron Man films did. And like, I didn't feel like it really helped the character at all. And like the, the whole Mandarin thing was weird and, and just, I, I don't know. I, I found myself not really enjoying the film when we rewatched it. So if I had to pick one that we talked about on the, on the podcast, that would be the one, but I do agree with you that, that I don't like the way uh, Wanda Maximoff was handled in Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And, and I, you know, I don't have any idea how they're going to work Clea and the, the eye above uh, Doctor Strange's for uh, in Doctor Strange's forehead into into future pictures. Yeah, the uh, the that is one thing I loved the way they retconned Iron Man 3's Mandarin problems with Ben Kingsley in 
the actual Shang-Chi one, where they, they address sort of the whole thing of him playing that and how ticked off the actual Mandarin is about the fact that some doofus is impersonating him on the world stage. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's the reason why the Iron Man series isn't my all time, like, you know, best, best up is yeah. two is good and three is not so good. And so it overcomes the greatness <laughs> yeah. of one. So, right. So we had two very different kinds of movies in the MCU. We had a lot of the, I won't call them street level, because that would be like the Netflix Daredevil stuff, but more sort of grounded, earth-based kind of movies. Stuff like Iron Man, Captain America. We then had, a, you know, an entire series of the more cosmic stuff. Guardians, Captain Marvel, the whole Infinity Saga. Which of these directions do you think you enjoyed more, or that you in general prefer? I think in general, I prefer the more earth-based ones. I think like those those movies resonated with me more. Yep. I think there's a lot you can do there. Uh, it starts to get a little nebulous when you're when you're galaxy hopping and and things like that. That's not to say that it can't be done. And, it, and like the Guardians movies are great, they and are great. I did enjoy those those films. I, I just, I feel like there ends up being, I, I get a little lost sometimes with like the Cree and, and the scrolls and all of this sort of thing. And, and maybe it's because there's not enough about them in the MCU compared to the comics. I don't know, but like it, I, I just feel like, there's enough stuff that you can do on earth or around earth staying within our galaxy that, uh, that has, has resonated with me so far that I'm kind of leaning that direction right now. Yeah. I think the Crees have been a problem because they are kind of this weird, kind of bad, kind of good culture that they're fighting the scrolls who we thought were maybe okay, but then they're terrible, but then suddenly they're okay again. They've done a terrible job of defining a lot of the interstellar civilizations and the like, and the relationship of the characters to them. So, Guardians, spectacular. But the, the Marvel cosmic side has always been tough. Marvel's had a, a difficult time for decades really getting, you know, like Nova and the Nova Corps and Guardians books and all these things. Uh, to really stick, uh, having the having the characters based on Earth is almost always the the standard. Obviously, in New York City, for most of them, you know. Yeah. So, do do you think of the Thor series as being grounded or cosmic? Because it it that that to me, I was a little hazy on because we have different realms and things like that. Thor is a tough series just in general because it's serious and it's absurd and it's on Earth and it's all over in these galaxy-spanning things. Yeah. It's solo stories and it's team-ups. There has been really no series that has been as divisive but also just as different. Like, I would think that 
it's probably true to say that most people who have any kind of of set taste in what they like in movies or in superhero movies is going to find a Thor movie they really like and a Thor movie they really hate because there's been four of them yeah. and they've diverged uh-huh. so wild, wildly from one another. You know, what's right. your favorite Thor movie? It, before it was Ragnarok, but now I think it's actually the very first Thor film. Yep. That's my, my favorite. I like Brana's first Thor film. But I know there's a lot yeah. of people who Ragnarok is the choice. And yeah. I am I am increasingly frustrated by Ragnarok, in fact. I think at, at yeah. a, a point rewatching it now, I'm like, this is this is just ridiculous, you know? And and so I would in fact say that my my hot take is I probably would rather watch four, Thor four than Thor three at this point. And Thor two with the whole you know, stone ooze or whatever is is probably behind both of them. So, yeah, he's had ups and downs. Right. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but but as far as I don't, I I think Thor is very much a hero who's always existed between the realms, but Asgard uh-huh. does not normally interact so much with the cosmic heroes, to where Asgard right. in Marvel comics really is more an extension off of the earth characters. That, so I think I would put it on earth. That, that That's kind of where I was feeling that it landed as well. Yep. And I just didn't know if I was the only one that felt that. Way. No, I don't, I don't believe you are. Okay. All right. So we've had five phases now, right? In the first phase, there were a total of six films. It was mostly origin stories. Your Iron Mans, your Thors, Captain America ended with the Avengers. You had phase two. We started with Iron Man three. Gave us such classics as Thor Dark World. Um, no, actually also we got Winter Soldier. Guardians first movie. The Age of Ultron was the big event. Uh, and then it finished with Ant-Man. Phase three is huge. You've got your Civil War. Yeah. Doctor Strange. Spider-Man comes in. Uh, Ragnarok, Black Panther first movie, Infinity War is sort of the big thing that ends Phase 3 along with Captain Marvel, first Ant-Man and the Wasp, Spider-Man Far From Home. Phase 4 starts with Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So we had seven movies there. And so far in Phase 5, We've had Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians 3, and the Marvels. You have to pick one. What's your favorite phase? I think it'd be hard for anyone to say anything other than phase three. I mean, it starts with Civil War, this big massive event. It it somewhat culminates with, with you know, Infinity War and Endgame. I know, yes, there is Far From Home that does technically... Uh, part of that as well which is a actually a really good spider-man film as as well you've got some great new additions like captain marvel you've got black panther in there it's they made like 80 bazillion dollars or something across that as well so like you think everyone would say that but like phase one is still fantastic and like it's it's six pictures 
And even the one that I think people think of as being bad, the Hulk film, is actually better than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. And and like I think you could very easily say phase one is is your favorite phase, and and I couldn't argue with you, but I think just it, it's hard to argue fa- anything other than phase three. There you go. I would probably agree, um, partly because of just volume. You know, you have yeah, you have in this one three, six, nine. There's eleven movies in here, and really, there's not a single miss in them uh i would say that probably captain marvel would be considered the least successful of them and it made more money than a lot of the others and is a spectacular movie but civil war was great first doctor strange i loved guardians volume two a lot of fun spider-man homecoming was a great introduction of spider-man into the mcu ragnarok uh, a lot of people really loved that black panther made billions of dollars uh, infinity war and Endgame, ant-man and the wasp uh, actually was a really successful and fun introduction of that character as well you've got far from yeah. home and you've got captain marvel there's there's really not a bad movie in the entire phase which is pretty astonishing no uh i do think that phase one still should be given a nod because there's really not a bad movie in there either uh, Incredible Hulk, I guess, is a little questionable, you know. But like you said, it's better, yeah. I think, when you rewatch it than you would have remembered. Yeah. As I as I remember walking out of the theater with you, and you're like, "That's three hours of my life I'll never get back." And and now, no, no we we've <laughs> we have seen what can happen if you if you treat the Hulk terribly, yeah. like as far as a film goes. I'm looking at you. Eric Bana Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, there are ways that you could mess up the Hulk worse than than what Marvel Studios did, oh. and and I think they did actually a really good job. And the character that you know, obviously Edward Norton isn't isn't our Hulk anymore, but like I think that was a good origin or setup for that character that we have had as the Hulk ever since in the MCU. That's right. The one, the one that you were. Have you gone back ever and rewatched that that the Bano one that you were? Oh no! Literally, no, no. Dwayne and I, that Dwayne was, and I went that, to that Oh, that was terrible. You were incensed coming out of that movie. Was, I. That was really bad. Yes, that that one. I would have said that that was time in my life I will never get back. Oh, it was, it was so bad. All right. Speaking of bad. Yeah. If if you had to pick one, what do you think so far is your least favorite of the phases? And you you have two options, I, obviously. You have, op- yeah. you have four yes. or you have five. Four has volume because it's got seven movies. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, No Way Home, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, Love and Thunder, and Wakanda Forever. And five just has Ant-Man, Quantumania, Guardians Volume 3, and the Marvels so far. There's more coming. I I could say two phase two as well uh, that that is an option as well but but I'm not going to it is phase four it is it it is a bit of a train wreck I feel like they they everyone talks about the peak of of, 
of Infinity War and Endgame. And there is there is something about this phase that it just feels it it's weird. It's almost contradictory insofar as it feels like they're they're tr- it it feels like they're trying to do too much, but at the same time, nothing is happening. It, it's really, really weird. They're introducing us to lots of characters, but they're not really doing anything with those characters. There's, it, it's, it's really tough. I, I, there's, there's a few movies in here that are actually really good, like Wakanda Forever, uh, the the Far From Home. I really liked, uh, but there are, there are. There's definitely some reasons why people are 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 not as happy with with Marvel Studios because of the things that happened during Phase Four. Yeah, and I, in many cases, you know, really like the creators. I like the characters. I like the actors, and so it's surprising to me how many of these ended up being misses or near misses. And in most cases, I think at least part of it. Like even Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, I enjoyed. But I think it suffers from the same thing that a lot of these do, where they've got so many characters, so many actors now that they want to bring in, and they want to expand the universe with younger characters. It's hard to really follow a movie that has like five main characters. And you've got, you know, Shuri, and you've got Riri Williams, and you've got all these other characters that they're trying to bring focus on. And it's just, all of these stories seem really muddy. It's like they, they just aren't able to laser focus in, you know, like the new Dr. Strange has him and Wanda. And it's, it's basically a movie that's split in two, with two different stars. Thor 11 Thunder is, you know, that's a movie with two or three different characters. You're trying to follow the storyline out. Uh, they're they're having a tough time focusing. This is why I like Shang Chi. I think was was one that I did enjoy. Is it really did follow a straight line kind of origin story essentially, but but a straight line character and and was able to tell a story. So anyway, but yeah. So four, I would agree. I think four. I'm not saying was bad. Let me let me put it this way. 2008 me, if I'd been offered these movies in the theater instead of Iron Man, I would have still gone bananas for them, right? Because they would have been fantastic. And the only thing that's killing Marvel now is all of the movies listed on our spreadsheet in front of the Phase 4 movies. Yeah, right. The- they're 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 falling to their own expectations or they're they're the the expectations that are being placed on them by them the things they were able to do leading up to phase four. Yeah. As as terrifying as it is, if you'd have given me Eternals in two thousand eight before you gave me Iron Man, I would be like, Okay, that's a little weird, but that's one of the best comic book movies I've ever seen. Right? And <laughs> And our tastes have just wildly evolved. You don't remember it's, how bad it's, some of it's those weird. I yeah, no, I, I mean, I rewatched the Affleck Daredevil movie recently, and I can tell you, there are worse things than the Eternals in this. Yikes! World. So, yeah, no, that's true. 
Anyway, so there we go. I guess with that, kind of looked through things, talked a little bit about this. It's good just going back and revisiting some of these old friends uh, that I, I don't actually regret watching any of these movies. I think that they were all interesting. They all had cool things. They all had things I would change, obviously, if it was up to me. Uh, but nonetheless, so it's been a good run so far for Marvel Studios. That said, if you could recommend one change to the MCU as they move forward now into Phase 5, what uh, what do you think maybe that would be? So this may be divisive, but I'm going to say that uh, less is more is the change that I would make. Uh, there is There seems to be a feeling that there is just too much to kind of watch and grasp there is there was nine mcu projects that were released in 2022 and trying to keep up with all of that is a daunting task i mean it, it it's not insurmountable obviously you can do it but i but i think for average consumers of of superhero stories and things i think it's I think it's a tall ask and and I think that you need they did they had a very successful first phase with six movies. They can do they can do less and they can they can take more time with their with the work that they're doing to make sure that every like each project stands well on its own that it gets its own time to shine and 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 really kind of bake in the kind of the way it picks it it fits into the larger picture the way i feel like the way i feel like thanos got brought in early on in phase you know at the end of phase one into phase two and then obviously into phase three like i i know they're trying to do that with kang now but it it feels like some of these things are are projects just to kind of push the larger narrative or that story or or forward or to introduce another character so that they can do another project and it's just i next year is going to be interesting because there is basically two projects from from marvel that are coming out it's going to be the echo series in in january and it's going to be the deadpool movie in the middle of the year because of the writer's strike, because of the actor's strike, it doesn't sound like there's going to be much more than that. And and so it's going to give people that respite of not having to try and catch up with all the things that are going on. And, and I'm really interested in seeing, I expect Deadpool's going to do really well because, you know, mm-hmm. the first two Deadpool movies were really, really well received. Ryan Reynolds is, is, uh, great as that character we also have the return of hugh jackman as 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 uh logan wolverine in this picture as well so i expect it's going to do great i i also don't expect it to make a billion dollars though either i i think i think the idea that that marvel is going to be cranking out billion dollar pictures every time they release a film is is just not a thing that's going to happen anymore you know there's streaming services there are people people are doing other things that movie's also got the headwind of being r-rated 
and it's R-rated for heavy language and heavy violence. So there's not going to be people taking their families necessarily as much. So it's very unusual for an R-rated film to make a billion. So there is a a cap on that. yeah, there, that said, I mean, Oppenheimer did really well, and it, it it's R-rated, and it's three hours long. It didn't make a billion dollars, but it got actually very close, yep. I think, as uh, as of now. So I less is more is the thing I would say. And it's like if if you're clamoring for more with these characters, there, there are comic books that you can read. Yeah. So I, I agree with you 100% on that. So my takeaway, as far as a recommendation, I think would be to change your tact and your expectations. That rather than going for what they're doing now, and using the formula to try and create these movies that, that are billion dollar, everybody has to see them blockbusters, that they should do sort of more with less that essentially even with something like captain marvel if it had been lower budget and had been targeted more towards a particular audience that really wanted to see that character if you find a way to because a lot of these characters there's going to be some people who are going to want to follow them for decades and there are going to be some people who get their fill of dr strange after one or two movies and they don't really want to see that anymore because they're "Ah, magic and whatever so I think they'd be better off doing 50 million, $75 million movies that can come out, make maybe two, three, four hundred million, and be a success. And they're not depending on having to break the bank every time. You know, Captain Marvel is going to make an obscene amount of money, and it's going to be a failure. And that's because at this point, the expectations are that every one of these things comes out and starts setting box office records. I would really like to see them scale back the effects, scale back the scale, and tell character-driven stories. You know, the, the best comic books are made basically by writers and artists who are paid beans and have a schedule where they basically have to tell entire stories every month. And get them out you know they're not being essentially massaged to death by a story room and the like and right now everything is so formulaic everything is and you mentioned it earlier it's all this Mar- marvel formula i think they just need to get back to taking some chances and to doing some things that are more like what they did when they started which was a fly it from the seat of their pants type studio that took chances and tried things and and succeeded because of it. You know, uh, right now, yeah. the Marvel Universe is just too formulaic. Yeah. All right. So, so I had a... Oh, good. Oh, I, so I had a question for you before, before we, like, wrap up. I did want to know, like, so you've read a lot of comic books and storylines throughout throughout the years i am curious what character and or storyline would you like to see the mcu adapt at some point in the future obviously we're kind of on the railroad tracks towards kang and and the uh secret wars and things like that but 
if you if you could pick a character or a storyline you'd like to see adapted at some point what what would that be do you have one i would love to see a live action version of some of the actual warlock stuff but it would have to be in like a low budget not that many people are going to go it's probably going to be r-rated it's in, insanely sort of like into all of this weird metaphysical stuff that starlin's into and the like i'd love to see it uh-huh. no one would go to it right it would it would make it would make four dollars but that, but i think that, that would it be, would be the dan project that would pretty there. much be i i really like the i really like that stuff so it, it's interesting they I've actually heard the name of the character that I'd like to see adapted uh, recently because of some of the issues going on with Jonathan Majors. There was, there was a report that was released that oh. uh, suggested the MCU might try to pivot to Victor Von Doom from, from Kang if they needed to re- create this big bad that, uh, the, that would need to be addressed. And... You know the, the times that we've seen Victor Von Doom in the uh, in the comics, he's always been really interesting to me, and I think that would be a character I would like to see an MCU version of at some point. I want to change my answer. Sure. There is one. Do you want? The, do you want, do you want the the like the Camelot yeah, version there, of? There is one storyline I absolutely love in comic books that would that would actually work with exactly what i'm talking about in terms of reduced budgets and a more grounded storyline i would love to see the dr doom and iron man in camelot story that we read (laughs) from back in like iron man number 150 it would not take that much money in terms of budget you could find some old castle that the bbc has been using for decades and just that story of Tony Stark and Victor Von Doom kind of being against each other, but having to work together by scraping together technology from their armor and what's around them to return to the future would be such a great movie. And people would love it because you'd have these two characters that have so much magnetism. It would be fantastic. All right, sir. We've talked all this. We've looked at all this. What do you think about the future of the MCU? Are you optimistic or pessimistic that in a few years we're going to come back and revisit the MCU as our as our next future project winds down and find that it is thriving or are we going to find it as a dying vine? What what do you think is is coming up for our favorite comic book movie studio hey i think that it's going to keep churning out uh projects and my bet is that they're going to find some sort of equilibrium to where they are hitting a wide enough audience that they can keep doing interesting stories adaptations from the comics that comic book fans as well as a 
decent size of the population outside of comic book fans enjoy as well. I don't, I don't think it's ever going to be where it was in phase three anymore. I just don't think that's attainable anymore. Uh, people's interests uh, vary too wildly for that to happen, I think. But I, I, I am optimistic that they're going to be able to adjust you know, budgets and expectations and find a cadence with number of projects and, and that, 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 that we're going to have some really, really cool things to talk about from an adaptation standpoint. I, I, I want to see them keep doing TV shows. I want to see them keep doing movies. I want to keep seeing animated things. I, I just, there needs to be less of them and they need to take more care with the things that they have. And and I think that the kind of the year of 2023 has been eye-opening, or at least I hope it has. And I think that the opportunity that they have to make adjustments are, are going to be, like right now, I think they're going to make adjustments. We've seen some adjustments being made. They're, they're bringing in actual showrunners for for the Daredevil TV series because they they didn't like some of the early returns on that you know we're scaling back uh, uh projects next year because of the writers strike and the actors strike and I, I just I hope that they take some of the lessons they've seen and and they they use them and I and I think they will and I think we're gonna have a better set of projects in Phase Five and into Phase Six as a result. I'm hoping that that's correct. I will note that I have I have some worries. You know, when you say that they're going to get comic book fans and enough other folks, keep in mind that you cannot make a big budget movie based on comic book fans, right? There's maybe a couple hundred thousand of us in America at this point, and I'd say that's being generous. So... If each of us pays 20 bucks, that's what, 400, 4 million bucks? You know, you, you, you have to get the greater audiences to make the big budget stuff. So they need to make sure they continue doing that. But I think one of the ways to do that is to continue making great movies that happen to have their characters in them instead of continuing to make this more and more like a Seinfeld episode where the reason people come to the movie is to see somebody, you know, that they know sort of swooping in the door and smiling at you for a couple seconds. That, I think that era is over. That just putting a character on the screen and going, oh, hey, look at the cool cameo is going to do it. So I'm confident there's smart people there. They're going to make good stuff. But it is obvious that taking your eye off the ball in Hollywood gets you in trouble really quickly because they have they've just been really inconsistent the last while and it doesn't have the same feel that it used to now in their defense almost everybody else who's tried to make a go of just sort of capturing culture the way they did has failed much more quickly you know game of thrones (laughs) had like seven years on top and then crashed and burned Harry Potter was on top, now largely forgotten. They had a couple of movies that they tried to make and come back, 
and they just didn't really recapture the magic. And that's even outside of the craziness of the, you know, the writer and everything like this. So Marvel's had and a great the DCU has never been, DCEU has never even gotten off the ground, nope. really, in they, any way, shape, or form. They've had, you know, movies that have succeeded here and failed there and the like, but they never captured the zeitgeist the way that Marvel did for over a decade. And it's really a testament to the fact that they planned out and accomplished something spectacular over the first three phases. And that unfortunately leaves them with expectations to continue at a level that nobody's ever been able to before and probably won't be able to. So the victim of their own success problem. But I, I am, I'm confident they'll get something figured out. I do think there's a good chance that kind of like you said, we will never see the sort of cultural momentum for these movies that we have, that we've seen for the last five, six years now. Yeah. And I think that it it makes sense. I mean, like, as you said, it's not easy to do that. And like you, you have to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And they, they did that. And, and now that, that moment has passed and, and there is, I think there's a still enough people that that have seen Marvel Studios projects and then enjoyed some Marvel Studios projects that if they had less of them to go to and didn't have to have like I'm like the Marvel's movie. I, I kept seeing commercials in the last week leading up to its release and they were like, come see the Marvel's movie. But first go on Disney Plus and watch Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel and WandaVision so that you're prepared and it's like no they don't want homework they just want a good movie that they can go and enjoy and understand what's going on without having to see all this other stuff as well and and it's like I think they're gonna get there like they they they've relied too much on the fact that everybody has seen everything they've done and I think they need to do a little bit more like I don't know, put put a Star Wars crawl at the beginning or something if you have to. I mean, I don't think that's what you're what you want to do, but at the same time it's like do do something different. And, you know, the the idea that you're tying key information for your movies behind the paywall of a subscription television service or subscription streaming service is also dangerous because there are going to be people yeah. who don't pay for Disney plus, but might still like to go watch movies. So yeah. there we go. In any case, it's, uh, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. And if not, we've still got, you know, 15 years worth of movies to go back and watch. So it's not like we're in trouble. So not to mention a just a handful of comic books if we want to just uh switch to talking specifically about just comic books if, if we're talking specifically you and i and what we're going to be doing going forward 100 percent. should we get to that so if anybody's got yes. any more questions about the mcu they can certainly send them along to us but hopefully given you a little bit of an idea of what we thought on that so that would actually be a wrap 
for the MCU for us, folks. Thanks, everyone, for listening along with us and for all your comments, encouragement. It's now been 72 episodes we've been at this. Uh, before you go, though, we want to make sure you know what we've got planned for the future because while we're done with the MCU, we are not done with comics. And we hope that you'll be as excited about what we're up to next as we are. So, Dwayne, our upcoming schedule, it is twofold. So, what we've already decided on is we want to take a trip back to revisit an old friend who's actually, it seems, fallen on some tough times recently. Uh, Mark Spector, yes. whose exploits we followed for 300 plus issues back in our Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. We recently ported over to uh, to this podcast. Has evidently gone and died again recently. Now this happens to him more than most, so we're not too worried about it. But we do wanna we do wanna get together and talk about this a little bit. We're gonna be taking off a week to celebrate Thanksgiving with our families. Hope you guys are able to do the same. And we'll then return first week of December. What we're gonna do is we're gonna have a look at what's ha been happening to our friend the Fist of Conchu while we've been distracted by the MCU. Our plan is for that to be six episodes. Could be five, we'll see, but I believe it's gonna be six episodes during which we'll get ourselves. And of course, you, our dear listeners, up to date on what Moon Knight has been up to in the comics and in the MCU, because there's also some interesting news, or I guess we call it non-news, uh, that's been going on over the last year, uh, where they will they, won't they, as far as the, uh, the Moon Knight television show as well. So that'll take us into late January, at which time we're going to actually begin our most daunting, I think it seems daunting, but also most hopefully interesting <laughs> assignment yet. So podcast name is Comics Over Time, and in the true spirit of that, we're going to head back farther than we've ever done. We're going to go all the way back to the early 60s. We take a look at how American comic books have evolved over the course of the last eight decades or so. Um, we enjoyed Moon Knight, though, and we don't just want to wander aimlessly through the comics landscape looking at this and that and whatever genre and everything else as such we're going to pick a focus and Dwayne has been interested for quite a while in daredevil as a character i'm a big daredevil fan as we proceed there's daredevil in other media that we can can watch like some of the netflix shows and the like so we are going to use daredevil as sort of this through line to look at comics from the 60s to present so each year each week we're going to be looking at a year starting with 1961 which is the year that fantastic four number one came out we're going to talk about the comics that came out that year we're going to talk about the state of the industry and then we're going to talk about specifically what's going on in the life of our favorite hornhead that year so a little bit of daredevil a little bit of comic history little bit of sort of cultural history and we're going to make our way from the very past right up to eventually present day which which is going to take us a while just as a note it, it should take us a little while yes and we're very much looking forward to doing that and we really hope that you will join us on that journey
And with that, that is going to wrap it up for us for this week. We'd like to thank you all for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, please consider subscribing on your podcast player of choice. That way you'll get each new episode as soon as it's released. Whether you're new to the podcast or you've been with us from the beginning, we'd love to get your thoughts on the show. You have uh, thoughts on uh, our MCU questions and want to share them with us. We'd love to hear those. You can send those to us via email. That address is comments at comicsovertime.com. Or you can reach out to us via social media. We are on X at Comics Over Time, as well as Blue Sky at Comics Over Time. Dan, that was a fun wrap-up going through and looking at all the comics and MCU films, and even some of the TV shows, I guess, we talked about as well through all this. But now we're going back to our old friend Mark Spector and finding the conclusion of... The current run of Moon Knight from one of our favorite writers, Dan McKay. Yep, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting because I did not see this coming at all. I'm still not quite ready to process it. And as we write this, it still hasn't happened because that Moon Knight story is still in progress. We've got episodes or issues 29 and 30 still to go. I have not picked either of those up yet. So I've got two more issues to find out what happens. And then those will be in our hands by the middle of uh, 30. I think it's the middle of December it comes out. And so we should be able to get back here and have our reactions. As, as Moon Knight is finding his end, we will be here with you to discuss it. All right. Until then, take care, everybody. See you later, folks. Bye.